0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and I just returned home from the National Farm Machinery Show in Kentucky, and I'll tell you a little bit about that before we get into the crux of the show today, but I am going to ask for your forgiveness because I caught some sort of bug or cold or whatever, I guess, uh... In route, or maybe it even had no, nothing to do with being in route. Maybe I just just was going to get it anyway. So I have a uh, a bad sore throat and just coughing and sneezing. So if I have to, I, you know, that's the worst thing in the world when you're doing a podcast or a radio show or recording to be able to have to cough and sneeze and have a sore throat. So I will do my best to get you a a show um, that is worthy of you listening to but so i ask for your forgiveness up front if i uh don't seem as enthusiastic as i normally would or i start to uh sneeze and cough so thank you i thank you in advance for your graciousness and putting up with this guy from cat swamp road and his health maladies but before i do talk about anything else i'm gonna have to give a shout a big shout out a cat swamp road shout out to Mr. Mitch Lazenby from Auburn, Alabama, and I met Mitch over at the uh, National Farm Machinery Show. He came up and uh, he recognized me, and I don't know how he managed to do that. I didn't get a chance to ask him, but he I asked him to give me a pin in my map, and I have a pin in my map now for Auburn, Alabama, thanks to Mitch Laz, Lazenby. I think that's how he would pronounce it, Lazenby. And uh, really, really, really nice guy, uh, strong man of faith along uh, the, fam- the farm, uh, has been in his family for quite some time. I think that he told me this was his 32nd or 33rd planting season. And I think, and he said, I believe his dad said, or his, he said his dad had uh, did 55 planting seasons prior to that. And I don't know the history prior to his father but I know that they have a diversified mix of crops with one of them being rice and one of them, not rice, excuse me, not rice, uh, one of them being cotton and another one being peanuts. And I believe he has corn and wheat and uh, he may have some beans in there, but don't, Mr. Lazenby, if you're listening, please forgive me for not uh, remembering your whole mix, but I know he has a diversified farm there and he also raises but the interesting thing was, is that he raises peanuts for M&M candies, which is two miles from our farm. So what I'm going to do is the next time I'm in town, I'm going to snap some pictures of the M&M factory with the two big M&M guys and everything out front, and I will t- text it to him because my cell phone does not have email in it my uh, by by design, so... I don't want to be out in the road for business or something like that and be going back and forth with emails. I'm not president of the United States. I'm just a hot rod farmer from Cat Swamp Road. So I'm uh, going we'll put a pin in my map for, for that. And every time I told Mitch, every time I ride by into town and look at the MM factory, which I ultimately do because you can't miss it, it's right in the bottom of the hill we're up on the mountain, and it's right in Hackettstown, is that I will think of him, and maybe one of those trucks is delivering some Lazenby peanuts to the M&M factory. So that would be that would be wonderful. So let me see what else I wanted to tell you. Uh, had a great ride going out to the National Farm Machinery Show. The good Lord blessed me. With good weather both ways. And I, as I said last week, I was going to uh, make it a, a one night on the road, one night stop before I got to Louisville. It was 822 miles, which is more or less I predicted at 820 miles or so. So, um, and I didn't want to do it all in one shot going there because to me, there's nothing worse or i guess there are things that are worse than that right but it, you know it's no fun if you're driving 15 16 hours especially in the winter you don't know what's going to happen i mean you could hit it could be 60 degrees and sunny in one spot and then you know 100 miles 200 miles down the road it's uh, ice and snow and then you're trying to you're getting into a strange town looking for your hotel and what have you it's no that that's that's no fun and the next day you you're trying to go to a trade show it's 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 just foolish economy foolish economy so I stopped in Tiffin as I always do Ohio and stayed at the Hampton in there and then the next day it was just about 300 miles to uh, to um Louisville from Tiffin Ohio to the hotel because uh, my hotel was about 20 miles north of where the convention center was it was in I think they called North Louisville or something and uh right off of uh, well it really wasn't right off the interstate but that's another story for another day but anyway but as I crossed from uh, Cincinnati into Kentucky on in I 71, the traffic came to a halt and there was a truck fire. It was in the air, so you know, to, to me, it made no difference because it was two o'clock in the afternoon and I had plenty of time. So the road was shut down for just shy of two hours, but it was beautiful out, it was like almost 70 degrees. So I shut the car off immediately and stood outside. And uh, walked one or two cars up or one or two trucks up, spoke to a couple of people and enjoyed the nice sunshine because it was two degrees when I left the farm the day before. So that was quite nice. But uh, so I'm glad I did it that way. But coming home, I did it straight through. I left the hotel at five fifty, five thirteen 5.13 in the morning. I pulled out of the hotel parking lot and went stopping for gas once and, and rest stops and eating breakfast and eating lunch and, so i guess it was four or five stops altogether maybe four stops uh i uh, made it home at back to the farm at five after eight so just shy of say 15 hours so i don't think that was bad at all but but from lima ohio home I am intimate with it because I've been going out there for 25 years, so that's not strange territory to me. So I wouldn't mind, like I said, to Charlotte. If I had to run that in the dark for some reason, that doesn't bother me because you know where you're going. But I didn't have to, so uh, I didn't it didn't get dark until uh, a couple of hours before I got to the farm. So that was good. Uh, a lot of wind going out there. It was bucking the old Fiesta. It was bucking a headwind across Pennsylvania it was very, very windy. And then um for the rest of the trip, so that first tank I didn't do too well on gas, maybe just under forty four. I think it was forty-four point one. And then uh subsequently I averaged just about bounced between 47 and 48. So I think the average was like forty seven point six. So it didn't do too badly the old fiesta. And I got myself some scribble notes here. So that was good. And then uh while I was out at the show and I'll tell you a little bit about the show before we get into the topic. Uh, I was out at the, while I was out at the show at the National Farm Machinery Show. I mean that that place is huge. I have never been to that show and uh there's four buildings. I never got through the first building, the main building. And I was there for 2 days. So I just quickly uh, I met up with I met up with Ryan Tips from Ag Daily. Real, real nice guy. I've done some business with him. He used to feature my podcast, and I give him some content to run on his site. It's part of Carbon Media. So if you go to Ag Daily, you could uh, you could get a free subscription to his newsletter, and he does a little podcast uh, audio thing. Audio visual, I should say, video, not audio, and uh, it's called New Ground. He talks about some some topics in the agricultural community. Does a real great job. Like so many aspects of this business, you could do you could do business with somebody for years and never met him. So we got together at the show, and we went over to the media room and had something to eat, which was quite nice. And so I I saw him, and then I also met him, and then I also uh, met for the first time. Even though, then again, I'm the same story, I've done business for a number of years with Brent Adams. And Brent Adams uh, used to have a podcast with Fast Line Fast Track, and he's got a new podcast now with uh, with a, a new media group that he is president of, and it's called Rural Strong Media. And he does a show called Tractors and Troubadours, and, and he runs my Bushels and Cents segments, my 60-second Bushels and Cents every week on his show and then again i never met him we've communicated through the telephone and email and i've been supplying him content for a few years now so it was nice to meet to meet brent adams and so if you get a chance you could check out his show and he does a completely different show than i i than 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 i do (laughs) i guess everybody does but uh he's got a music a nashville background and he brings some music into it does a very he does a lot a very good reporting it's a it's an excellent show so you may want to check that out tractors and Troupadours. and it is rural strong media so i got a chance to to meet him and then i got a chance also to to uh reconnect with an old acquaintance of mine stacy anthony and he works for agco agco's has a new division, well, it's a little bit more than a year old now, called Ag Revolution, where there are seven company-owned stores that com- that carry the complete Agaco line. So you get Fendt, Massey Ferguson, Heston there, uh, precision planting, so they're company stores. So I got a chance to see Stacy. They had a beautiful, beautiful display there at the, uh, at the National Farm Machinery Show. And uh, as I said, you know, if you've never been there, but – you got to plan your day because it is so large if you make it if you just want to wander around that's one thing but if you have certain pieces of equipment or certain people that you want to meet you better make an itinerary because otherwise it is not going to happen and uh also while i was there i, I don't think i ever told you guys about this and but i'm st- i'm going to be doing a tv segment for rfd tv which is the parent company of rural radio where my show farm machinery digest is on on weekends saturdays and sundays farm machinery digest radio so i'm going to be starting to do a tv segment for them between 9 a.m and 2 p.m eastern they have a, a show that runs called during the day called market day report and it's an excellent show when they talk about the markets, they talk about other things. And I'm going to be doing some um TV segments for them to run during the market day report. And it's going to be called Under the Sheet Metal. <clears throat> and if any of you are listeners to my radio show, because I know I have um uh, I have overlap, is that I do a segment on the radio show the past month or so called Under the Sheet Metal. So it's a spin-off on that. <clears throat> excuse me and uh <laughs> excuse me and uh spin off on that and it's going to be about two and a half minutes long and it's i'm going to be doing a voiceover on it and i i i hooked up with uh with terry munson and terry munson is a very very well-known videographer and he came from the uh, uh, fashion industry and fashion industry and architectural industry meaning uh filming and photographing fashion and architectural design and and like I mean houses like house beautiful stuff like that I mean so uh you could check him out Terry Munson I think it's Terry Munson photography and see some of his work but I met him through Peter Meyer and he is Peter Meyer's videographer and photographer and Peter Meyer if you don't know who Peter Meyer is you could go to my website and look at the uh the, the podcast episode on the road to Peter Meyer he was the, the the one who was a designer for General Motors and actually designed the bustle back 1980s Seville and he was the youngest designer ever hired by General Motors so Terry and I <coughs> joined forces he's the cameraman. And I'm the voice, the technical guy, technical voice, and uh, it's a voiceover, so it's not anything, you don't see my my uh, uh, fat mug on there, but it's another means of me to educate the population. So I'm very, very blessed that rural, the rural media group, RFD-TV, embraced it. They actually ran the pilot once, there was a little bit of a technical issue with something, but... <clears throat> So we're going to be doing that. And the reason why I'm even telling this is because they recorded a um, an interview with me at the Farm Machinery Show. And that ran, I think, it ran the other day. I actually heard it because it's a simulcast on the radio, so I heard it coming home. And then they're going to send me the, um, the, uh, the video clip, and then I will put that up on my website. It's only three minutes long, but they asked me how I got the name Hot Rod Farmer, which a lot of people don't know. And uh, we spoke about that coming on to uh, RFD TV, and I'm very, very excited about that because it's another way for me to help educate my audience, the farmers and ranchers of America and Canada and those around the world, but sadly you would not be able to get RFD TV around the world. So I'm not, disclude, uh, I'm, not, I'm not excluding you from that, and I honor you, the listeners all around the world. But you will not be able to see that unless eventually we put them up on a YouTube channel or something. I think that's what I'll probably end up doing. <coughs> Excuse me again, but I'm really uh, not hitting on on all cylinders here. So I did that, and let me see, and then uh, so that is that, and then also I'm, I'm working on hopefully getting some classes together. That'll be free and it'll be open to to you to anybody who wants to come. I'm going to hopefully be working through some dealer networks and uh, and have the dealer network con- and contact uh, their uh, their customers or people in their area or even not even their customers. So hopefully I'm I'm going to be putting that together, and then I'm I'm also uh, arranging to do some keynote speaking and to bring education as a keynote speaker to those in the agricultural community so i'm talking to this one agency that is um, i guess the uh i guess they act like an agent for you and they uh they so in other words let's say national corn growers association or uh, basf or general motors or fent or something wanted to new holland wanted to uh to have a, a keynote speaker at some event that they're sponsoring and then i would work through that so uh, that's a little bit ways off but hopefully that's going to come to fruition and, and i guess at that particular point i will have all the bases covered as trying to educate my people the farmers and ranchers of america and canada and let me see what else i got in my list over here uh that's basically uh, that's basically it oh i do want to tell you which I'll probably be a little bit out of sorts today, if, if I'm not already, is that a while back, I maybe a month ago, a little bit more than a month ago, when I brought it up on the show, and I know a couple of you even responded to me with your thoughts on it. And it, I, somebody had contacted me and I don't even I, I don't think I don't believe he was a listener to the show. I think there's a friend of his that builds Hot Rods in Texas that reads me in Hemmings Muscle Machines or one of the car magazines and knew about my podcast and my radio radio show and told him, well, why don't you ask this guy? And I think that's how he found his way here. But whatever, that's all moot. And I don't even, uh, I I am not going to use his name. I don't recall his name, but I told him I would not use his name. So so he's i I guess he's has forty years in the auto industry or something, and so what like whatever I'm going off in a direction that's bringing you no value, but anyway, so a while back he had contacted me about this older Ford Ranger he has I think it's a ninety eight or a ninety nine and it has no power, and it really dies with the air conditioner on he said, and he put a timing line and the timing's bouncing around all over, and what have you and and he says when it gets hot, it really has no power to pull a hill even with the air conditioner on and what have you. So, I mean, it does it, but it's hanging its tongue out. So uh, I had opened up a dialogue with him over the telephone, which, you know, keep in mind that, you know, Hot Rod Farmer, com. You can go back and forth at email or I'll be more than happy to speak to you on the phone if I can give you whatever advice I can to try to help you with a situation. I don't have all the answers, <clears throat> but i could hopefully try i will definitely try i'll tell you that so we spoke on the telephone and i had told him i had mentioned this as a as a letter on special delivery a month or so ago that i felt that the engine was very carbon laden laden that i felt that there was a lot of carbon on the piston crown but more specifically that the intake valves IVD intake valve deposits were loaded with carbon. And he had bought the truck up, it has about, I don't know, close to 300,000 miles, but he bought it with about 100 or 120,000 miles on it from an old man in Arizona. I think this gentleman is in Colorado or Texas. And that person bought it new or something and uh, didn't have much mileage on it. So I said to him, I think that's loaded with carbon. So he says, Should I pull the head off? I said, No, 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 don't pull the head off. So I, I, so I said to him, what you do is go buy some Tecron, bottles of Tecron, and, and uh, put it in there. And, and, but you're going to have to do a number of bottles of Tecron. You're not going to take off 300,000 miles worth of carbon and one bottle of 15 ounces of Tecron, 12 ounces of Tecron. So what happened was that when I was away in Kentucky, he called here and left a message. Because he did have my phone number, so I called him yesterday before I recorded this show. Because he left a message, I want to know how you how I want to tell you what I found with the truck. So I so I so I spoke to him. So he's on his seventh bottle of Tecron, and he said the thing runs fantastic. It never ran like that. He says the, he had an idle problem that went away he said he had a uh an intermediate temperature problem where it would surge and hesitate intermediate temperature means that the engine is not fully cold and it's not fully warmed up yet so it's that that transition so we call it the inter it's called the intermediate range that's the actual the intermediate temperature range so he says it used to hesitate and everything he says if he says it was he's down in texas says it was 90 degrees the other day with the air conditioner on it flew up a hill so he's so happy and i'm happy that i was able to help him i'm not looking for data boys or pats on my back that i was correct but he said to me, he's been in this business 40 years. He said, I spent so much money throwing parts at this truck that he did not need to be replaced. I thought the motor was shot. And he says, and you were 100% correct. It's carbon on the valve. So I told him to run another cup. And I have to commend him because he did exactly what I told him to do. And like I said, I'm saying that humbly. But you know, if you go to a doctor and the doctor says to you, here, you don't feel well, here's a prescription of, of an antibiotic, you have to take the whole prescription. Don't just take it for two days and you feel better. Say, ah, heck with it, I'm not taking it, right? And then it comes back with a vengeance, whatever bug you have. So he lists, I said, look, if you got to run seven, eight, nine, ten, I, I said, if you do two or three bottles and you see no change, forget about it. You, you know, we, I'm wrong. So he's on his seventh bottle. I told him, run another one through, one or two more. I said, then wait about 1,000 miles. And then you could do another one or two, and then just get into a regiment, like brushing your teeth, of maybe every few that two, three thousand miles, put a bottle in there, and you'll be fine. But he was happy as a lock. He says the old Ranger is flying. He says it runs like a brand new engine. So the reason why I'm telling you that for a couple of things is that number one, I had said that when I found out some more information about that particular application, that that issue, I would let you know. So that's what I'm doing. And then the other thing is I want to just re-emphasize and this is you know unsolicited real world i wouldn't know this guy if he rang my doorbell he doesn't know what i look like probably and the thing is that and so many times and this and as he said i'm repeating his quotes. i've been a mechanic for 40 years i never would have thought of that so like i said i'm not saying that for for accolades please 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 don't ever think that but there, but the, I I want to drive home the point that specifically on a gas engine, I don't care whether it's a a one cylinder or two cylinder engine on a seed tender, a lawn mower, a lawn tractor, all right, whether it's any uh, an old gas engine on the farm on the farm tractor, your new pickup truck, your wife's brand new Lincoln, whatever it may be, right? You're gonna yeah, ha- you're gonna have to buy her a new Lincoln because when I was coming back from. Uh, from a uh, uh, a commodity classic, not commodity classic, a farm machinery show. I was right across from the Lincoln plant. That's where my hotel was, right across from Louisville Assembly, where they make the Super Duties and some of the Lincoln products. And uh but soybeans was, I think they said, close sixteen oh five. So you better get your wife a nice new Lincoln, all right? And I'm saying a Lincoln. Oh, you can get her a Cadillac also, or one of those new Jeep Grand Cherokees, whatever she wants, as long as it's American. But anyway. Uh, your know, people discount and they roll their eyes to the sky, and I mean I can't see that obviously, you know. So oh yeah, you, know, you, you got to get the carbon off. You got to get the carbon off. And here, you know, here is a case where this man thought that this engine was shot, that the rings were shot, and this he just thought he didn't know what was he didn't know what was wrong with it because the compression was good and uh, he wanted to change buy a new ECU, but they wanted two thousand dollars for it, and uh so I can't exp- I can't emphasize enough. You know, all my gasoline engines run Techron, and if you don't want to use Techron, if you want to use Seafoam, or you want to use another brand, as long as it's a complete fuel systems cleaner, and you 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 run it through there and keep it on a on a routine, your backup generator, lawn mower, all right, anything, very 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 important, and uh, because it doesn't take much carbon to choke off the airflow, especially on a small valve. So that is what I want to tell you about that. You ready? and then <clears throat> the other thing is that I guess I covered everything. Wasted a half hour of your life listening to me babbling about everything. <clears throat> but what I will finally do now is get into the topic of today's show. And what I'm what I want to what I want to talk about, and it's it's going to be technical, but business side of technical, and and you know this really came to light walking around well it was something that that i I always wanted to do a show on and but it really came to light walking around the national farm machinery show because there is so much equipment and obviously it's all drop-dead gorgeous right it's all brand new it's polished up it's shiny i mean you're going over there you're looking at a uh a uh, a planter and has it has tire dressing on the tires i mean it's all waxed up i mean fantastic well i wax my planter but mine's three-point hits don't have any tires but i do have a tire because it's ground drive but i don't put anything on it so maybe i should start to put some tire dressing on it but anyway so it, and you know the equipment just keeps getting larger and larger because people are farming more and more acres and they have to amortize the cost of the equipment over acres, right? And a lot of people, I mean, if you're actually dynamically involved with farming and you're a listener, but I have people from all aspects of agriculture, horticulture, uh, vineyards, uh, animal production, uh, whatever, whatever custom applicators custom farming whatever so we're all over the map and people who live in a subdivision but it's like anything is the you know you have to amortize the cost of that piece of equipment over more and more acres so the farms have to get larger because if you go to buy a tractor you go to whatever to John Deere, you go to whoever, and you buy a tractor. It's three, four hundred thousand dollars. If you got one acre, if you have got ten thousand acres that you're gonna farm, that tractor is three, still the same price. They're not gonna come to you and say, oh, oh, you only got a hundred acres. Oh, forget about it. Just give me, you know, just give me fifty thousand for that new tractor because you only gonna have a hundred. You only have a hundred acres. So the thing is that you have to look at the equipment as amortizing it over the cost <clears throat> excuse me of how many acres you have and then if you're doing something let's say with a truck well how many miles you're going to run and what have you so you that's a dynamic that i'm hoping and i'm talking preaching to the choir here but i hope i'm preaching to the choir because if as a businessman as a farmer as a rancher as anybody who's listening to this you have to make your business decisions predicated upon numbers not emotion mo emotion can come into play when you say, "Well, I want those seats or I want that interior or I want that color paint. But the core decision has to be rooted in emotion and uh, not emotion, not rooted in emotion. excuse me. Um uh, has to be rooted in in uh, the dollars and cents of of making a purchase because a purchase needs to be an investment it's not a purchase it needs to be investment and i know i have a lot of guys who work in farm equipment dealerships that listen so if you're going to buy a toolbox right if you're going to buy a toolbox and of course you need a toolbox to hold your tools and that's how you make your living you're as a you're a mechanic a technician whatever word they want to use and you uh and you work in a dealership and uh, and and that the purpose of that toolbox is what is to hold your tools securely, to and to be able to give you easy access to them. So that it's large enough, right, for you to be able to lay all your box end wrenches out, and not throwing them just in a drawer on top of one another and spending a half hour looking for a thirteen millimeter. Or a 916 or a socket, so to lay it out so it's efficiently so it's efficient for you to access them and then put them back as you're working on a job. And that's the only reason for a toolbox, right? So it's to securely hold your tools and more more importantly, to give you access to them, quick access to them. So when you're working, you could be productive. Now, if you bought a toolbox that has that costs five, let's say a thousand dollars. I don't know if you get much of a toolbox for a thousand dollars, but just use it for demonstration purposes. And you get one that costs ten thousand dollars. So, what I'm leading into here is that when you buy your toolbox, yeah, the ten thousand dollar one from Snap-on or for some other company. I'm picking on Snap-on or a Mac. The main, I mean, yeah drop dead gorgeous i'm not going to deny it beautiful beautiful bearings the drawers slide out so nicely they got a little stop oh gorgeous right but ultimately some of that is going to help you to be profitable as a mechanic and but a majority of it is not going to And, you know, people don't like to hear that because they they make an investment in something and they don't like to hear that. And they say, well, they bought it because it was based upon emotions. Yeah, they draw slides nicely. They draw slides nicely. Uh, It looks real pretty. It's got a built-in radio in it and all the other stuff and whatever else it may have. But ultimately, if you were to look at it as a businessman, that The only aspects of that investment that you've made in a toolbox that is going to give you an ROI, a return on your investment, is its ability to safely store your tools and to allow you the opportunity to organize them for an efficient workflow because how are you going to make your money with the efficient workflow, not with the pretty toolbox? So using that as a, as an example and as a segue into this, that what I'm going to ask you all to think about is that as you make as you make equipment purchases for your farm, and that equipment purchase, and if, you, if your farm could be a, a tractor, it could be a piece of tillage equipment, it could be a piece of shop equipment, it could be it could be a uh, a semi, it could be a used semi right to haul grain it could be a brand new semi because you're going to be i have a number of listeners who contacted me have beautiful gorgeous brand new semis and what they do is they haul their grain with it during harvest and then the rest of the year they run it as a trucking company so whatever whatever it may be that you're (coughs) that or (coughs) excuse me that you're that you're looking to to invest in so excuse my nose is all (coughs) clogged up here with this sore throat but so and you're walking around the show i see all of this and what i'm going to ask you to do is that as you start to look to make any major investment in your business and any aspect of your business is to make yourself a list of questions and and what are the key attributes that you need or that you are looking for in this investment and (laughs) excuse me in this investment and those attributes and then you could work from there and i may have said said the story on the show before that before i met my wife charlotte and i met her on a blind date I already had dated a number of girls and what have you i mean not not many i mean i wasn't you know dating 57 girls at a time i never dated more than one girl at a time and i to tell you the truth i probably didn't even date that many but anyway i had quasi-serious relationships nothing uh, well years ago used to say going steady so we were going steady and i don't think that people even say that anymore or know what that means and and, and when i grew up Going steady meant that you were both dedicated to one another. So you, you know, the girl wouldn't go out with me one day and go out with another guy next week and then come back out with me. And ultimately, I would the the guy would do, would do the same thing if he was dating that girl. That was his considered his girlfriend. So once you considered his girlfriend, you were boyfriended. You were considered going steady. It didn't mean that you were getting married. It just meant that you weren't dating other people. That probably doesn't even happen today. <coughs> but anyway and then i didn't date anybody for about a year and a half and i was set up with my the 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 girl who became my wife uh on a blind date and on our second blind date i had my lincoln uh, beautiful brand new lincoln mark 7 lsc garnet red with titanium upholstery factory bbs wheels that thing was a baby i loved that car and she was a runner too but anyway get back to the girl part of it is that i formulated three questions and we were coming back from dinner and I asked these three questions because what I did being a student of Zig Ziglar I identified what the core what the core things the foundational things that I needed to consider going down the road of dating someone because I was already older and I wasn't going to uh you know, I, I I wasn't going to waste my time, nor my money, nor my emotions with somebody that didn't share those same values that I did. Because if they didn't share those same values, then there would have been no basis for me to pursue this. Whatever it made no, I made no difference. I was I wasn't interested in getting financially involved and emotionally involved with someone that was there, that was you know, walking to the beat of a different drummer. So I formulated three questions, and the three questions were. That she had to believe in God, God being our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our Father and the Holy Ghost. Not that some kind of crazy you know thing that she called the whatever you know a a sequiyotry of God. Because she had to believe in in the in the Lord and the Trinity. She had to love animals, and she had and she had to love America. So those three things were my core foundational things that I needed for her to to. uh, to be in agreement with and I asked her that and not, I may mean, not say it the way I'm saying it to you well if that's the case I'm throwing you out here on the highway no <laughs> that's not so uh and and obviously that was the case and she you know wholeheartedly shared those same values that I did and we ended up in that you know the rest is history but so when you're looking to invest in a piece of equipment and and I would say probably anything more than a thousand dollars all right, I mean, if you buy something, you say, oh, I really like this wrench. I really can't use it, but it's a 200 bucks. I want to buy it. I mean, you got to throw yourself a bone every once in a while, right? But if you're looking to make, you know, $1,000 on up or, or something major, like I say, using the toolbox analogy, is that what I'm asking you to do and and this is the business side of Farm Machinery Digest. This is the business side of the Idle Chatter podcast. Is that I want you to look at and identify. Well, I'm asking you to look at and identify what value the value points. It doesn't have to. And you know, three or four is enough. You don't have to do 500 of them. Three or four, like I did with with, with Charlotte, right? And excuse me, I'm just going to kill us for a second and I just have to clear out my nose. i'm sorry I'm, I'm i'm back now but uh that was just getting 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 pretty bad there there's there's a pause button on this soundboard but it, sometimes it doesn't work so i just i just just killed the mic for that dead air which i which to you probably seemed like an hour i know that happens so anyway so make yourself so okay i'm gonna buy let's say you're gonna invest in a new planter for your farm so make yourself my suggestion is to make yourself a list of things that you, the attributes that you want in this new planter and, you know, compare it to your old planter in your mind and say, okay, I wish I had this, I want this, I, I want, you know, uh, I, 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 I want electric meters, I want downforce, whatever you may, whatever you may want in it. Or, or the impetus for you to buy you you're not, not going to buy as a businessman, and hopefully not just. I'm not going to. I'm going to buy a new plant because I like the color of that paint. All right, so, so you make yourself a list of attributes that you're looking for in this planter, and then you start to go, and then before you even go shopping, make yourself a smaller list and pick out three or four things that you really want in this new planter or a new truck or a new tractor or a new generator whatever it may be and they say i need these foundationally i need these core things but what i'm going to ask you to do now is so now you have that and now you start to go shopping and perform your due diligence i am big on due diligence because due diligence mean will allow you to will allow you to uh think things through when you're not in a pressure situation. So if you need a planter tomorrow because yours, whatever, the tree fell on and crushed it, then you're not going to make a smart business decision at that particular point. It's a crapshoot. It may work out great, or most likely it probably will will be a... A disappointment in many ways, and you'll probably overpay for it. So, so now you did this. So make make a list of three or four things. And three is usually good. Three or four things that are foundational, and then you could have the sub list of the other things that would the impetus for you to want to get a new planter. But now, I want you to also think through this purchase. And what do I mean by think through this purchase? Think out. Think of other areas that come off of that list and what i'm what i'm basically working up to here is that a lot of people and specifically with anything and you are basically going back to the toolbox thing is that they buy too much they buy more than they need if you were going to have a barbecue a picnic over your house and you were going to invite 20 people Would you buy, well, maybe you would buy enough food for 25 people course, you figure, hey, somebody may want another hot dog or hamburger or uh, a couple of of neighbors or friends from church may show over or other farmers show over. So you're always going to give yourself a little buffer, a little leeway. All right, so you say, "Ah, I'm going to buy food for 25, 28 people, 30 people at most, but we think 20, we're only going to have 20, 22 there. All right, you wouldn't buy food for 100 people if you were going to have twenty or twenty-five people, and I see what happens is that people invest in equipment and specifically pickup trucks. All right, and they they buy either more pickup truck than they need, or they buy a lot of additional options. They buy uh uh trim levels and everything that brings them no value financially, adds to the finance to the original investment cost and oftentimes requires more maintenance. And uh, then they're stuck with this forever now because they did not think it through. They wanted the big wheels and tires. Oh yeah, they look beautiful. They look beautiful, and I'm I'm not going to say that they don't. But the fact of the matter is that those rims and those tires are very, very expensive to replace. Using that as an example those big wheels those big those big wheels and those big wide tires they are not good in the snow ice and mud because there's too much of a footprint all right so all of this they're more expensive to balance they cannot be used and just using this as an example a lot of tire machines can't break down a 22 inch rim all right a lot of Shops don't have the proper balancing equipment for them because the, the weights will have to be put on the inside. So all of this comes into play, and something as simple as saying, "Well, I'm going to, you know, buy this new, invest in this new pickup truck for the farm, and I want this package with these wheels and tires on," it, and it'll cost four thousand dollars. What I want to, yeah, fine. Hey, you work hard, you're successful, you like the way that looks. God bless you. I'm not knocking you. I'm not saying you live you, you live without without treating yourself or anything. But I want you to buy things and keeping in mind that there is a lot of strings attached beyond the purchase price. Usually, the purchase price for something up front, the initial cost is the is the is the least of it. Is the least of it. It's all of the carrying costs afterwards, which is what's going to sink your ship and be a burden so you know you have to think you have to think through all of this and you know the same thing the same thing happens with uh with a piece of farm equipment so now you're looking you're looking at a planter getting back to that and you want so many rows and yes i and i understand that the more rows that you have the quicker you could plant the field all right so if you no matter what acres whether you're running a thousand acres or ten thousand acres all right the more rows you have the quicker you're going to plant because you're going that, that with the tractor and you're pulling that planter and it's putting in 20 rows instead of 10 rows whatever it may be. understand that completely i understand that and i understand it and acknowledge that 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 farming is very time sensitive it, it, you have to get that that seed in the ground as soon as as, as soon as possible uh and, and in you know I did a show right last week on critical path the critical path we can't wait too long because it may rain and may this you want to get the out so you need to have a planter you're not going to go with a one- row planter or a two row planter and plant a thousand acres you could conceivably do that right but it's going to take you so much time to do it so you're looking for this big piece of equipment now keep in mind that obviously this big piece of equipment this much this much larger plant let's say this used instead of 10 row 20 rows just use that <coughs> for easy arithmetic easy arithmetic has obviously this the cost goes up uh exponentially right because if you have 10 row units versus 20 row units obviously it's going to be much more they're not giving you a discount on the row unit they're not giving you a discount on the closing wheels so if you buy you know if you buy 20 sets of closing wheels versus 10 sets you have more in investment so you really need to pencil that out and then say to yourself okay fine can this all right and do the math and a lot of people don't do the math. So if you say, okay, I'm farming a thousand acres, and uh, I have a, if I buy a ten row planter, and obviously, you know, I mean, there's there's weather delays, and you want to put a cushion in there for the weather delays and things that happen. So the thing is that, so if I buy a ten row planter, and if I can plant so many acres per hour, in theory, it should take me so many days for, to plant a thousand acres. And if I had a 20-row planter, well, in theory, it should take me half the time, right? Well, it should take you half the time if you are just planting and everything is filled up, right? It's going to take you twice as long to fill all the seed hoppers, unless it's a central filling system. But then it's going to take you twice as long to fill up the fertilizer, be it liquid or dry, all right. So so that's something that you have to think of that it, it, it's not just, you know, half the time. It's half the time. Once you get rolling, it's half the time. But also you have the potential of having 20 problem areas versus 10 problem areas. So you have the potential of that that you need 20 seed meters to be working perfectly. Through that field, you need to have twenty coulters, uh, 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 no no till coulters cracking the soil. You need to have your disc openers set. You need to have twenty of them set properly. You need to have your your fertility rate and 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 your closing wheels on twenty of them set properly. So just <clears throat> so just keep that in mind. And, I, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, right? Now the other thing basically <clears throat> is that and i'm picking on the planter but i i can't go through everything but i'm just giving you a thought process <coughs> excuse me is that now you say well i i i i i'm picking up some ground five miles away is it going to be much of an issue to transport that 20 row planter versus the 10 row planter Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe sad, it's no big deal because it folds up and take me five minutes longer. (coughs) Excuse me, okay, fine. Case closed, we scratched that off the list, right? And now you say to yourself, okay, fine. How is storage of that 20-row planter going to be, going to be an issue say no 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 no. i got a 40 foot i got a 30 foot door going into my machinery shed not an issue whatsoever i got plenty of room in the machinery shed okay so that's fine okay now will i you know does my tractor have enough power to pull the 20 row planter versus the 10 row planter well i'm assuming that it does so that's fine so you go through this and you make yourself a mental list and you write these questions down and you either put a check or an x next to them all right and then you could pencil this out you could pencil this out because And see, does it actually pay for you to have a 20-row planter? And you may get one-third of the way down the list, and the numbers go ROI, ROI, ROI. Yeah, it's really going to pay for me to have a 20-row planter. And then you pull a trigger on it. But you may be surprised in life when you start to run the numbers. You know, it's like base saturation on a soil test. Once you start to run the numbers, you may say to yourself, well, hey, you know, yeah, I can get this done quicker, but mathematically, I'm not going to get it done that much quicker. Yeah, there may be the one year that that whatever it rained, and you said, "Oh, I wish I had that twenty row planter or what have you." I'm not going to deny that in life, right? But the thing is that you have to look at averages and area under the curve. If you say, "Well, the last with my ten row planter," the last the last 10 years or 10 planting seasons i was able to get it done in this amount of time and once you figure out with the 20 with the 20 row if it has some additional back end work i'm just making up stuff maybe it doesn't then you say i really didn't save i saved time but did i save enough time to justify maybe in this particular instance almost double the cost all right so I want you to I want you to look at it that way, and then also look at it and say, "Hey, when I have a twenty-row planter versus a ten-row planter, how long do I do I hopefully, God willing, want to keep this to amortize its cost out? Do I want to try to keep it for ten years, twenty years, fifteen years, depending upon how many acres you're running and what you're doing? All right, and say, all right, fine. You know, now I'm going to amortize that cost out." The thing that i'm saying is that and i'm using a planter and you could feel free to argue with me with this and we could apply to apply it to anything else but you know when i go <clears throat> walk around and look at used equipment we all love to go to look at used equipment i like to buy new all right because i'm very particular with my equipment i like to buy new and keep it forever but i love looking at used farm equipment. what farmer doesn't like going looking at used farm equipment right is that The most, and I'm getting back to the planters, the most beat up looking planters I've seen in my life uh, that were on the trade in lot for an auction at a farm auction were the ones that were really had a lot of rows because what would happen is that you see half, (coughs) it was very rare, excuse me that you saw a 4- to 10-row planter. Now, if you're planting 10,000 acres, obviously you're not going to jerk around with a 4-row planter. But I'm just saying is that you usually you'll see the smaller planters, a 10-row planter, 8-row planter, 6-row, whatever it means. And they're in better shape because the guy didn't have to buy 20 closing sets of closing wheels. He didn't have to buy 20 sets of disc openers. He didn't have to buy 20 seed drop tubes. And usually what happens is that this thing nickels and dimes him to death and he gets frustrated with it and then it ends up being a merry-go-round because now using a planter, for example, that if he's got his 20-row planter and eight of the rows are screwed up, well, he, 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 you know he's going nowhere as far as his yield is concerned. He's putting seed in the ground, not getting the yield. And the same thing happens, you know, when I see... You would tend to think that if you had a guy who bought a a base pickup truck whatever whatever your brand you're a ford guy you're a ram guy you're a gm guy whatever well so let's say uh so let's say a uh a one-ton pickup truck and let's say a three-quarter ton pickup truck right and the guy bought the base pickup truck that does everything that he needs to do functionally for his business he needs four-wheel drive fine he needs extended cab fine he needs eight-foot bed fine, whatever he needs, whatever he needs on it. And he, and he doesn't go for the diesel engine. He doesn't go for this and go for that. You will find, for the most part, more older, in-better shape pickup trucks that were the base models than 70, 80, 90, $100,000 pickup trucks. I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised how when you go to a a trade-in lot at a dealership or something, this was a $90,000 pickup truck, it's eight years old, the tires are bald, this is happening, that's happening. to You know why? Because it's what I said in the beginning. It's the additional carrying costs that are killing the guy. Because, oh my God, you know, I got the, I I, I need, you know, this rim is bent and the, the rim is $900 or $600 and the tires are $400 a piece, all right? Whereas the guy with the stamped steel wheel never bent the wheel, and if he bent it, it wasn't expensive, and then the tires were $200 a piece instead of $400. But, you know, keep that, keep your eyes open for that. That, it's, that you would tend to think that somebody with a more expensive piece of equipment, a larger piece of equipment, would take better care of it because he they have a larger investment. Most of the time, those investments were not penciled out. They were made on emotion. They were strictly emotional. This is what I want. and And as I get ready to close this part of the show today is that... And this is going to ruffle a lot of people's feathers and somebody contacted me and I'm opening a dialogue with them they I don't know whether I don't they found their way to my website and uh they may listen to the show I don't know if they do it or don't. it's irrelevant but you know they're contemplating buying a new pickup truck and they they listened to my podcast or saw my article on the three liter duramax which I think is a sweet sweet engine and the guy's going to tow a trailer with it. It's about an 8,000 pound trailer. And he's asking me some questions about it, what have you. So we're going back and forth to him. And he has a. He's obviously a GM guy because he has a, a Chevy now, I think a 2013, he said, with the 5.3 that he tows the same trailer. But anyway, the point that I'm getting at is that I said to him the diesel is going to be wonderful a little 3 liter I think it's a fantastic engine there's aspects of it that I don't like but there's anything nothing in life is perfect I think it's a fantastic engine more torque great I mean then it's the gasoline equivalents or the 6 liter alright great fuel economy what have you but I said to him a diesel is not for everyone and I said, if you're not willing to additize each tank of fuel, and I, I mean, don't go crazy if you didn't have aditized one or two of them, but for the most part, additize each tank of fuel, all right, you're gonna be, so, and not say you're gonna do it, and then don't do it because it's a pain in the neck to carry it with you, and have it measured out and pour it in with each tank of fuel, because I know people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that, and then they do it once, and they never do it again. And I have friends of mine who have diesel, and you got to advertise this stuff. You got to do this, all right? Oh, yeah, they did it once, they never did it again, all right? And then five years later, putting $6,000 worth of injectors in it. But anyway, the thing you have to advertise the fuel. I said, You're going to be pulling a trailer, 8,000 pound trailer, then across the mountains from Tennessee to Arizona or the other way around. I said, You're going to be going through a lot of DEF because. That is going to be a dynamic of high cylinder pressure and temperature, which is gonna make oxides of nitrogen. So you're gonna use be using more DEF. I'm just gonna clear my nose again, excuse me. Hopefully the microphone didn't pick that up too badly. <coughs> all right, you're gonna be adding DEF, not the end of the world, all right? Uh, it's gonna need a special oil, a diesel oil, not the end of the world. But do you have the tolerance for all of this? Plus, you're going to be spending. That particular engine is fairly inexpensive. It's about three thousand dollars more. But you're talking about a a diesel and a half ton pickup. I mean, three quarter ton pickup truck. You're talking ten thousand dollars on the window sticker. All right. So I'm so I said to him, what you need to do now is you need to figure out, just like I was saying with the planter, you need to figure out how much time in the life of that vehicle in this particular instance is the trailer going to be connected to it and it's going to be towing that trailer so i'm waiting for an answer from him but let's say arguably he's a snowbird and he's going to tow the trailer twice a year or three times a year he says i want to be able to go up hill 70 miles an hour well the thing basically is is that why would you buy invest in a vehicle that that twice a year, and he says that he does a thousand miles a day, it's two thousand miles when he to get there. So, so two days, let's say he goes back using those numbers that they may be skewed. So you're gonna make a business decision to buy a vehicle that can buy a vehicle that's only going to be used. The impetus for your business decision is four days a year of use. To me, that makes no sense because if you're going to do a lot of short trip cycles you can do a lot around town a lot of cold starts a diesel is not for you any diesel because you're never going to put enough heat in the block and you're going to be and you're going to you're going to wear that engine out you're going to pollute the oil with a lot of moisture what have you that's not your baby you want a gas engine with a thinner block that's going to to build heat quicker so the thing is that so my contention to him is that if you're only going to tow four days out of the year, two days there and two days back, or eight days out of the year, let's say you do it twice, right? Why would you buy, why would you make an investment for that, Your or the catalyst, I shouldn't say the catalyst, the direction of your investment, you're purchasing, the, the, I'm not saying don't buy a new truck, is based upon four days of use out of the year. So this kind of gets back to the planter. So if you pencil that planter out, all right, yeah, it may be beautiful. That, that and maybe on your operation, you're planting thirty thousand acres of wheat, and you need a big drill like that. That's great, but you know, on my farm over here, people laugh at me <clears throat> because on my farm truck, I bought it new. Actually, my wife bought it for me as a present in two thousand and two. So it's twenty years old, just turned twenty years old. A little four cylinder short bed Ranger it's a base truck in xl the only options it has is a sliding rear window and a factory ford bed liner Stamped steel wheels the truck has been fantastic i didn't put a nickel into the truck I, I i put tires on it twice all right never put brakes on it i put lower ball joints on it simply because the cups rotted out and they got dirt in there all right but the truck has been fantastic and the only thing that that truck can't do for me is bring home all of my fertilizer from the mill down in Maryland, my liquid fertilizer in, one, in two trips, all right? I'd have to make three trips because I can't put 4,000 pounds in the back of that truck. So, but other than that, if I would have bought an F-150 or a Silverado or a, or a half-ton Ram or anything bigger, right it would have been i would have spent well that truck brand new believe it, i was under ten thousand dollars say ten thousand dollars but even back then i would have spent thirty thousand dollars for a comparable or twenty five thousand dollars for a comparable half ton pickup truck that i'd be able to carry the, the my full load of liquid fertilizer back and forth to maryland in one trip instead of three trips so i only go to maryland i only buy fertilizer once a year when I plant I'm not buying it every day so what so what I what I could do is I could make three trips to Maryland so you're crazy you're making three trips to Maryland to get your fertilizer and it's 500 miles well it's 450 miles round trip so I'm driving almost 1500 miles to get my fertilizer if I do it that way all right but that's once a year I don't need it all the same day. So I could go I could go a week apart or what have you, get the broadcast fertilizer. The plant, the fertilizer is nothing because it's only 12, 13 gallons an acre, right? Get the broadcast fertilizer, get half of it. And then I do 10 planting. So I don't have to go back and forth. But if I want to go back and forth three days in a row or in one week, that's fine, all right? Or what I could do in my particular instance, I get a press vehicle, like I had the Silverado, I had the F-250, and I do a farmer-focused road test, which brings you value, but I still can't put the two totes in those those press vehicles, and I start to go back and forth twice because they give me all these $90,000 pickup trucks with a short bed on them, that have four doors, and I can't put put the two the two the, the, two IBC carriers in there. So I don't want to lay in on the tailgate of a $90,000 pickup truck, so I go twice. So ultimately, if you pencil it out, if I went with my Ranger and didn't have any other vehicle, I'd only go one more trip. And then the first time I dealt with the mill down in Maryland and got my liquid fertilizer from them, the world was, wasn't was that many years ago, but the trucking rates are very inexpensive. It only cost me $125 to have a common carrier uh, bring the two totes to 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 here. So I said, you know, even if I had a truck, I would have burned more in diesel fuel going back and forth there. So I am not going to buy a pickup truck for my farm. I'm not gonna buy a planter for my farm. I'm not gonna buy a tractor for my farm that's gonna give me a great advantage one day or two days or three days or whatever a week out of the year and the other 51 days actually be something that is a hindrance to me because it costs more money to to, to run it, it costs more money to service it, more to insure it, harder to park someplace, you go, so, so whatever. <clears throat> so the list goes on and on. So the take home message here, is that you have to be realistic with yourself if you say well i want a diesel pickup truck this is what i want then god bless you i'm not shooting you in the foot with that that's your decision but know what you're getting involved with and when it comes more importantly to the equipment for your business do not think just because it's bigger and you could get the job done quicker get the job in quicker, that maybe that is the right business move for you. I'm not telling you it's not. Maybe it's the right business move for you to invest in a self-propelled sprayer because when you hire somebody to do it, they don't do the job the way you want it to be done. They don't come when you need it to become and your business, your yields, your farm is suffering because of that and that's the right decision, all right? But then you apply the same metric, the same qualifiers to when you go to buy that new sprayer well do I need this do I need this what do I need on it is that everything has to give you some sort of return on investment and before I get ready to close here because I already went more than an hour is that you know then again, people laugh at me. They laugh at my little farm tractor, which I bought new, 22 years old, 20 years old also, then put a nickel into it. I don't want the compaction. I'm planting small acres. I only have a custom-built I custom two-row planter, but it's built to my specifications because I'm planting small. I do nine, 10 different plantings. I don't need to go in there with four or five or six rows at one time. Yeah, would I get done quicker? Of course I would get done quicker, but so big deal. So I saved an hour. I say I, I, I save I save arguably ten plantings, ten hours a year, right? But I could store that that planter much easier because it's smaller. So you know it all comes into play. You have to run the numbers, you have to look at it. Don't get pulled into that siren song and think, Oh, I want this, I want this, I want that. And you know, and people laugh at me, say, Oh, you're a hot rod farmer, you drive that little fiesta. Well, I'll tell you, I drive that fiesta because on the way home from we should be driving a mustang or a challenger or a big pickup truck or something 700 horsepower pickup truck well like i told you in the beginning 48 miles to gallon baby it cost me hardly anything to go to the national farm machinery show at 48 miles to the gallon all right if i would have had something that got 25 miles per gallon so let's say I got 50 feet let's say 24 miles per gallon Right, would be half it would have cost me double in gas to go there almost 2,000 miles right I hit snow in Ohio on the way home and some ice four-wheel drive with snow tires I'm going right through it I had a Mustang I had a Camaro I so said I'm not going through that with a Challenger all right Dodge Challenger we say, well, if you had a big four wheel drive pickup truck, you'd go through it. Yeah, I would go through it, but it would have cost me four times the amount of money to go there. And I would still would have been me in the truck alone with my suitcase. That's it. I'm not taking forty seven people, so the thing is that and that's why I run that vehicle because, as I say, it flattens the hills, gobbles the miles, and sips the fuel. I can afford to run my business the way it needs to be run to go say, I'm gonna put you on my podcast. I'm gonna come to Ohio and see you and give you a better give up and produce for my audience a better quality product. The thing is that, as I get ready to close here. A lot of people are looking to make investments because the farm income is stronger and find, like you would say, base saturation on a soil test. Yeah, that beautiful $10,000 toolbox is wonderful. It's gorgeous. It's impressive. It's an ooh and ah. When your buddies come over, wow, look at that toolbox and this and that. Uh, and, and if that's what you want, God bless you. But the thing is that you have to realize what is the toolbox for? What is the purpose of the planter? What is the purpose of the truck? What is the purpose of anything that you're investing for your business? And then if you wanna throw yourself a little gravy, do it if it makes you happy, but also think of the carrying costs for that piece of equipment. All right, when I was involved with Allen Test Products, our emissions analyzer was the low, was not the ch- least expensive, but it was the lowest operating cost because it did it, it did a vacuum test for leak test instead of using calibration gas. Our competitors were a thousand dollars cheaper, but in the first two months, the guy burned it up in calibration gas. So do your due diligence. Look at everything. Look at everything. And then, you know, go from the end, make and pencil it out. A businessman is gonna pencil it out and you know, and even if it's a hobby, you pencil it out. Man, you know, is this the right cylinder head for my drag motor? Well, you know, how much does it flow? How much power can I make? What's the you know, what valve train does it need? Does it need a custom gesso valve train? Or can I get off the shelf valve train for it? All of this stuff that I see even at the farm show, I see people making decisions, uh more biased towards emotion and eye candy than actual smart business decisions for their farm. And my little Ranger, not because it's mine, at twenty years old looked better than with, with one hundred sixty thousand miles, which is not a lot, but looked better than a lot of the three-year-old ninety-thousand-dollar pickup trucks that I was waiting that were alongside of me as I was pulling into the. The, into the parking lot for the farm machinery show, where I walked by and looked at it because I look at it, you know, how much, what does the tire tread look like? What does this look like? How much wax does it was raining in the one day? Is it beating up? Is it this? You know, are the wheels all scuffed up? What is, you know, what's going on over here? So the thing is that, and my little Ranger, even though I was at home, looked so much better than those because I can afford to easily take care of it. It's not time consuming and not financially financially overbearing. So that is that. But now we're gonna have Tex Rubinowitz. Come on in, Tex, from Ripsaw Records. Yeah, ready, Tex. Thank you so much for playing that, for singing that for us. Right, I say, please excuse me, I'm hitting on like six and a half cylinders, but uh, hopefully I didn't. I gave you a show of, of some semblance of quality. But listen, there's not going to be a toolbox test, and I kind of covered the reader's letter, the, the reader's letter, the listeners, the special delivery, about that Ranger. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, and I don't ask for many favors, and I have no right even to ask for one favor but anyway i didn't get a chance to do a toolbox test but go to my website a lot of you do not go to my website you get the podcast you consume the podcast or the radio show i'm very grateful for that fantastic as i said we have listeners in 83 countries but you're only getting a little bit of what i could give you as far as an education is concerned and please go to my website. There's 22 or 23 toolbox tests there. Every couple, will take you five minutes. Start a test one, take the test. They don't go stale, they don't go old, they're a learning experience. So spend five or six minutes taking a toolbox test. You submit it. You see what you you, you you get the right answers back so you know what the proper answer is. It's a learning tool. And then go then then get off my website and go someplace else and look at your clickbait. All right, we'll leave it at that. But the thing is that if you're taking the time to listen to me, please please use all of the resources that i have and i'm gonna i'm gonna make another toolbox test i'm gonna make the questions and we're gonna bring it back to the show but you don't need me to read you the test question on the air and please go to that go to the learning tab and look what's there there's over a hundred articles there none of them are more than a five or six minute read that my whole website <coughs> is set up for five or six minute reads. It's not gone with the wind, but it's right to the point. It's going to give you value, and and I and you know and I just I want you to I am asking you to do that because I want you to get the. It's not a commitment like you going for a PhD, all right. But you know if you read one of them a day in three weeks, you're done with the toolbox test until I put a new one up there, all right. If you if you read uh, one article or two articles a week under the learning tab, right, then you have, uh, you, you know, if there's 100 articles, and you read two of them a week, it'll take you six months, and you got 10 minutes, you got let's say 12 minutes a week reading two articles, and it's a learning tool, it's a learning tool for you, so please, please, please check that out and do that, and hopefully I will be, have a new toolbox test for you next week, but listen, I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and for And for putting up with my my sore throat, my cold and my head cold. And know that the Hot Rod Farmers pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved, beloved America. Catch you next week. You have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye bye.